Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, John D. Robb, the Chairman of International Prayer Council. He is also the convener for the National Prayer Assembly. In recent years, John has led four national-level prayer efforts for the USA, including three National Prayer Assemblies in Washington, D.C., just before midterm and presidential elections, and also an event for 150-plus prayer network and ministry leaders focused on national security, with former generals, a founder of the Homeland Security Department, and a converted Muslim jihadist as resource people. Currently, he chairs a continuing effort to bring American prayer network leaders together for regular prayer and deliberation towards national revival and transformation, and has been coordinating the Prayer Mobilization Tax Force for the GO 2020 Global Prayer and Mission Effort that was held in May 2020. On May 1st, 2020, believers from every region of the world were connected for an online gathering called World Prayer Together. Hundreds of thousands took part online and millions more in a large international house church movement prayed offline for the same concerns that everyone might hear the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, John, for being on Faith City Outreach to share what God has been doing for 19 years that you were chairman of the International Prayer Council and what he is doing now in the next stage of ministry. John, I know you have been the chairman of the International Prayer Council for 19 years, but before we talk about the ministry that God has placed you in, I want our listeners to get to know you personally. All right. Well, it's great to be with you, Marina, and also with your viewers. And uh, I always love to uh, tell stories about the greatness and goodness of God and how he responds to prayer. Uh, but it all started for me. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, here in the Southwest. Uh, many years back, I was not in a in a born again Christian family. It was very cultural kind of Christianity. And one day, uh, when I was sixteen, uh, the youth pastor in our big Presbyterian church called me into his office, and he said, "John, you're about to join the church. Don't you think you should meet its founder?" And I said, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in. And so he just led me to the Lord. And I didn't realize how powerful and uh, life-shaping that afternoon prayer would be. Because in the months following, and I was on a tour to Europe with other teenagers, uh, I just sensed the presence of God for the first time in my life surrounding me. And I loved 
prayer. I love just to walk, go take long walks over in Italy or wherever we were and talk with God. It was mm -hmm. precious. It was beautiful. And I was a very shy person, uh, went off to university, and that was the decisive experience for me. Uh, and that was uh, in 1966 at Yale University, and I was a scared uh, Albuquerquean shy student, <laughs> and I was particularly scared of witnessing to anybody about my faith, and I fell in with a group of upperclassmen. They were called the God Squad. They were in-your-face Christians who did Bible study and prayer every day. And they would witness, they witnessed to the whole campus. And they said, John, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to stand up for the Lord and join with us. And so those guys discipled me. So I'm just kind of giving you some background. And, and it was actually one night when they set a trap for me and said, uh, you know, they didn't tell me that I was going to be the speaker at the evangelism meeting with about 40 or 50 students there. And all of a sudden, uh, after they played their, their, their instruments, they said, now John Robb will get up and give his personal testimony. And I was absolutely scared of public speaking, you know. First time I ever did it. Stood up there, uh, kind of trembling at first, and the presence and the power of God came upon me. And I had no fear, and I just shared my faith. And I was astonished at what God did. I went into the back room after the meeting in the darkness. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, here I am, whatever you want to do with me. And the Spirit of God came upon me like Acts chapter 2. Nobody, nobody touched me, but the power of God came upon me. And I became an evangelist at Yale, sharing the gospel every time I had a chance with many, many people uh, for the next three or so years. And that, out of that experience of being discipled and just surrendering my life, that was my mission call, call to mission, evangelism, and prayer ministry. So would you say that group at the college influenced your spiritual walk with the Lord as a child? Well, not really as a child, but as a young adult? Oh, deeply, deeply. Because, you know, if you meet every morning at 6 a.m. for prayer, Every night at 7 p.m. for Bible study, there's no escape when you're in a group of 10 guys. It was all male, and they're always checking up on you. You know, you can't, there's no wiggle room. <laughs> and then we go to church in New York City, and all day, it was an all day experience in a house church. And then we'd go out in the streets and evangelize also and preach the gospel. So it was very much a, uh, for spiritual formation time for me for my whole life. When did you receive the call from God to serve as the chairman for the International Prayer Council? Well, that came uh, many years later. And, uh, you know, first what happened was uh, it was an all-male university. I didn't do any dating. Uh, actually, we were all zealous Christians, and we thought that's just kind of you know, that's a sideline. Let's let's do the serious good stuff that God wants us to do. But when I got to be a senior, I kind of re rethought that. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to a graduate school uh, at Wheaton, uh, which taught the Bible. And I thought I need to get some grounding biblically, but especially I need to find a Christian wife, you know, 
So I prayed, oh God, let it be the woman you choose. Mm -hmm. Kind of like um, the story of Isaac and Rebecca. And God did that in an amazing way and brought me together with a wonderful woman. Who, and we are about to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. So wow, congratulations. That's a Thank long you. time. And That's we ended blessing. up, we had the sense of calling as we prayed. We got involved with a group of older missionaries from the uh, Overseas Missionary Fellowship who'd worked in China, wonderful, godly people, and they're prayerful. And we were praying and saying, God, here we are. And so the Lord called us to the country of Malaysia, and we served there and uh, were teachers, and my wife's a musician, and, and uh, I taught in, in the church and in, uh, also in a seminary. And have, we have still many friends that are our former young people that we pastored over there. And so uh, that was the beginning for seven years. Then uh, I was called to a ministry with a, a large humanitarian agency and traveled more than 100 countries in ministry and leading prayer initiatives. First of all, we started with mission initiatives. We saw the power of prayer. And when Many of our colleagues were in war zones. They said, John, could you bring a team to pray with the national Christian leaders who are desperate? And I didn't know very much about prayer at all, but uh, we began to see God move so powerfully uh, in those initiatives that it converted me into a prayer ministry guy, you know, to really emphasize that. And uh, the organization was World Vision, uh, and World Vision also began to really support these prayer initiatives that happened in uh, 61 nations during those years. So we had a, the advantage of seeing the hand of God over and over again. And he would always do something different, but it was always tremendous. It would, it would either be a peace agreement in war, or it would be a revival of the, of the leaders and uh, where they began, became one in, in, in their unity, got reconciled, or it would be the removal of an evil political leader who was oppressing everybody. We just saw over and over the Lord would do things like this. So it seems like it was an easy calling for you. You didn't hesitate to even say no. It wasn't challenging to you. Well, because of that experience in both the mission movement and the prayer movement, uh, I was primed for it without knowing it. God was preparing me. And that's what he does with all of us, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, he uses our mm -hmm. life experience. He doesn't waste anything. One friend of mine said, God is a, an, a, the best economist. He doesn't waste anything. <laughs> Even our sins he uses for good. Exactly. We discover the mercy, the goodness, the grace of God. And so he's always working to teach us something okay. new, to lead us to, he's very patient. Because we stumble and fall on our faces <laughs> like yes. small children. But yes. he's working to bring us into conformity with Jesus Christ and that we will that our character will be transformed. All of that. And and so I didn't realize that I would be getting into prayer ministry. I thought I was gonna be a missionary for the rest of my life. And then this this experience of moving into a humanitarian agency. And then finding these desperate situations, nobody could fix them. No political leader, no amount of money. Only the Lord could do it. Mm -hmm. And we, we were cast upon uh, 
that wonderful promise, if my people who are called by my name, Second Chronicles 714, and uh, if, if they will uh, turn from their wicked ways, if they'll seek me, they will find me, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And we saw that literally happen, the healing. Not, it didn't get to be perfect ever, but you saw a breakthrough, a transformational breakthrough happen that was, uh, that ended conflicts, that, that put things right. And it was, oh, so exciting. Uh, I wrote a book about it, actually. It's called The Peacemaking Power of Prayer. And that was four of these initiatives that are covered in greater detail. It's out of print, but you could still get it, uh, you know, if you're interested. Um, on Amazon, you could look for it. Um, and uh, so anyway, that, that prepared me, though all those years of prayer and mission involvement, uh, to see what would happen when his people come together and they get right with each other first. They say, forgive me, brother, that I split from you all those years ago, that I badmouthed your, you and your church, that I and these deeply moving experiences of reconciliation because the Lord is the great physician. He's trying to heal our hearts and our relationships first. Then we're on the same page and we can agree and history will change. God will give us anything. Once we're in agreement, once we're humble before him and letting him lead us, bang, you'll see history change. Amen. Do you see a lot more Christians now today humbling themselves? Oh, yes. Yes. And there's been just a huge expansion of the prayer movement, especially in this year, during this year, we, we are all astonished, I think, at the way uh, the Lord is connecting the body through technology, through Zoom, and through other platforms that bring people together so that they can pray uh, transnationally and globally with one another. That's awesome. Right. Being united. It doesn't matter. You, we don't have to be in that country. We can be united through through technology. Yes. Please share yes. a little bit about what you do as the chairman of the International Prayer Council so that we can better understand your ministry. I know you um, develop or create prayer initiatives. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And we, uh, the way that we began this was uh, it happened right after 9-11. That was the spark plug, and uh, a group of us uh, from the international realm as well as the USA gathered near Ground Zero in New York City in December of 2001. That's, what, a couple months after uh, 9-11, and we felt we need to have a global network of networks to bring the prayer movement together, so we're praying for global concerns. A lot of times... We pray about our own concerns in our own city or nation. We forget about the rest of the world, mm -hmm. especially we Americans are guilty of this. And we thought, wouldn't it be valuable to have prayer leaders come together from all the different regions of the world and get, get to know each other and in an atmosphere of prayer and listening to God, develop networks. So the following year, November uh, 2002, we met in South Africa, almost 300. Uh, prayer network leaders, uh, top ministry people from all over the world came together, and we had 24-7 prayer going in one of the rooms there, and the presence of God was so strong, they told me, I wasn't always in there because I was kind of overseeing things, but uh, 
the ones that were leading that ministry said people sometimes would come in there and the presence of God was so strong they had to get on their faces. Uh, And we had thousands upon thousands praying around the world while this was going on. That's another lesson we learned. If you're going to do something significant, get lots of prayer support going. And uh, so uh, we marshaled the prayer prayer movement as much as we could. And we had a, a wonderful time, very anointed time together. And we formed regional net prayer networks for all the regions of the world coming out of that. Some of which are still going, not all. Uh, I'm not as aware, you know, where they're at, but uh, they did build relationships, and I hope they're doing some things together. Uh, but in, for example, Southeast Asia, they have met every year since then, and they now have all 12 nations, hundreds of prayer leaders meeting together every year to pray together in different countries in that region. And North American prayer, uh, the North American Prayer Summit, as we call it, are including Mexico, the United States, and Canada. We also have had quite a few um, such uh, prayer network gatherings in each other's countries. Europe uh, has had some, and uh, the Middle East, um, and uh, let's see. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, South Asia, we've had also some. But it's it's kind of a a thing where the... um, the essence of it is networking the body of Christ, connecting us to pray for his breakthrough, to listen to God, to get on his page. And like Jeremiah 1 is so very, very relevant now because of what we're going through, even in the United States and post-election. But the Lord said, I'm going to put my words in your mouth and you will have authority over nations and kingdoms. Not because of us, but because of God's word put in our mouths. We pray it out, and he said it will uproot and tear down the bad stuff, and it will build and plant the good stuff. So this is so powerful and amazing, and it's like a revelation that we as intercessors have the balance of power because we're connected with the one who has all power. Mm -hmm. It's not the political leaders, really. And we've seen over and over again that as we transact business with God in these initiatives, the Lord then moves the political leaders to put it into effect over and over again. So the the people that have the power position are the ones that are connected with God in prayer. Mm -hmm. The political leaders implement it. When we we, have this breakthrough with, with unity and get on the same page, in confession of the sins of the nation and, and, you know, really listening to God together and have that unity, then you've got a historic change that will happen. How do you prepare the leaders after they gather together? Is it, is it like you, you pick people from different countries, you, you set a day, you set a time, do you immediately start praying after the first um, session or the first meeting, or do you wait a while after you all start to pray? Well, we, we start with prayer, and mm-hmm. we have, I usually take a team of facilitators who are experienced uh, prayer leaders, and at the beginning, they were all more experienced than me. <laughs> I just was sort of the one that made it, you know, brought them together. And we were, and I was watching some of these older 
men and women of God that were way ahead of me uh, spiritually. I mean, they were just prophetic and sensitive to God. Uh, I'll just give you an example of one. In Cambodia uh, in 1995, we had 11 on the team. Uh, They were all veterans. But one in particular, uh, the guy from Sweden, was an older leader who had led prayer teams to 80 countries. And he had, he was so in touch with God. And during the night after the first uh, session, the first day session, the Lord spoke to him. And the, we had about 60 Cambodian pastors there. They'd come through the killing fields, you know, where the Khmer Rouge slaughtered 2 million of their people. Okay. And, and quite a few had come to the Lord in the refugee camps, these, these pastors. And during the night, the Lord spoke to uh, this guy, Shell Schoberg was his name, and showed him what the root problem was. And when he got up to speak, he only said one sentence that changed the history of the country. What did he say? What, what discipline <laughs> for a preacher? Yes, right? exactly. He had a whole hour. He said wow. one sentence. So what did he say? The sentence was, some of you have blood on your hands. And I sat there in the front row and I said, oh, no, 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 don't do this to them. Don't do this. But it was the finger of God because they had never confessed that some of them were executioners with a Khmer Rouge before they came to the Lord. And they were hiding it all because they were so afraid of retaliation. And that was blocking them from being one as brothers and sisters. They could not overcome that until they confess the sin. And so we had to have a separate room and they went in and, and, and they began, they were screaming. They were just, after that sentence and a few moments of silence, they erupted in screams of, oh God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. And then the, we, we had them go in the room and two of my colleagues, including Shell Schoberg, heard their confessions. And it was heinous. It was heinous, heinous, horrible stuff. You just can't imagine the atrocities they did to other other people. And so they got it off their chest. And that was the breakthrough. They formed the National Christian Fellowship. Uh, just to make it, uh, there's a long story to it. It's in my book. But then uh, the spiritual receptivity in the whole nation changed. It was just like there were only 10,000 Christians at that time. And it's gone up to over 400,000 that came to the Lord. And they were getting baptized in the rivers, mass baptisms, spirit mediums, and devil worshipers becoming evangelists and serving the Lord. And so, and my son is a missionary. My son's a missionary there in Cambodia now. And it's one of the most receptive countries on earth. Uh, And I believe it's because these, these leaders got right with God, each other. And it enabled the Lord to to initiate this great breakthrough through their united prayer. And that's what you meant by stunning transformational breakthroughs when you go to different countries. And yes, yes. Uh, And because of the prayer teams that you take. I could just I could talk hours about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And just letting God lead you by the hand, because we're like little children. We would always just say, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. Remember King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20? You know, the enemy armies were coming towards Jerusalem. 
And he just got the people to stand there together before the Lord, and they just were waiting. And they said, we don't know what to do, but we're, our eyes are on you. And then the Spirit mm-hmm. of God gave them the strategy. And he said, mm-hmm. I want you to put uh, singers of praise before the battle troops. It doesn't make any sense, you know, militarily. But they began singing, for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And God just threw those enemy armies into total confusion and defeat. They didn't even have to lift a weapon against them. So that's what God can do if we're if we're in touch with him together. Amen. And I know you shared a lot of your victories with the prayer teams um, in your clip, the video clip that you sent to me. It was like 14 minutes long. You shared about victories in, like, as you mentioned earlier, Cambodia, Afghanistan, Syria, um, Sierra Leone, Mexico. And before that, you had mentioned that a visiting speaker had touched your life and touched the way you do ministry or the way you serve the Lord, I should say. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. You said something about the speaker saying that or asking the uh, crowd or the audience, are you doing a program for the Lord or welcoming the presence of the Lord? Yes. So that was a turning point in your life. What are you doing differently now? Well, that, that question prompted me to go on a silent retreat. Right. You know, I'm very activistic. I'm not a contemplative by nature. But I decided to go to a Benedictine monastery in the desert of California, where other evangelicals sometimes went, and they'd give you, give you a room. There was no television. There was nothing. You know, and you start to kind of fidget if you're an activist. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a book by Henry Nowen, uh, who wrote The Way of the Heart, about the desert fathers of Egypt and how they, they learned to just... Um, spend time in solitude, in quietness, because we have such a busy world, you know, and it's so distracting. And they would just let all of the false self go away, and they'd encounter God. That's exactly what happened to me. And I was in the middle of, of this experience and reading that book, and I just started to weep. And the, I heard vo- God's voice so clearly, and he was said, he said, don't think you're impressing me with all you're doing for me. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> and then he said, he said, I would love you just as much if you were paralyzed laying on the bed. Because I was trying to perform for him. I was trying to feel, make, maybe feel better about myself, that I had done something good for God. And he said, then he said, get out of my way. And I thought, oh, no, I'm in big trouble. And then he said, this was more positive. If you do, uh, if you make me your senior partner, Mm. you will see my wonders. Okay, I've been going all around the world doing these mission events by myself with, you know, it was great. It It was an amazing ministry in 80 countries. And we had all the these Christian leaders together focusing on the unreached peoples. And and we did have some prayer in it, not very much. But it was mainly strategy. It was mainly sharing and networking. And that experience, uh, two days alone, 
shifted my entire ministry. I came back to World Vision, and people began writing and these invitations to say, we're in the middle of a war, John, could you mobilize prayer? And I said, well, I'd never done that before. And that Cambodia experience happened, and then we were in Bosnia in the middle of the Civil War, and then Africa all over, and all of that developed out of that time of listening to God. So the, the, it's so important just to get away from time to time. I want to urge all of you who are listening to my voice, take time out. Just go away. Just you and the Lord. Just take your Bible mm-hmm. and just go and say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want to do with my life, I am here. I'm here. And it, it, it's so revolutionary. <laughs> it seems so simple, but it's so right. We don't usually give God a chance to speak. And he may not at the, you know, right. He, he doesn't necessarily speak when we want him to. But the very fact that you're opening yourself to him, it gives him permission. He may give you a dream in the night that is powerful mm-hmm. or a, uh, he may speak through a friend or there are all kinds of there are a million ways the Lord can get to you. So don't worry about his response. We're only resp- we're only responsible for our own response. So we just say, Lord, here I am. Send me whatever you want, whatever you want to do with my life. Since then, what are you doing differently now in your life, in your in the way that you're serving the Lord, Sean? Well, uh, I'm about to turn 73 uh, in January, and uh, I've been at it for 54 years in ministry all over the world, 111 countries. And some of those countries I've been to 10, 20, 30 times each. Not all of them, but some. And so I've done a lot of traveling. Uh, I'm you know, not as keen on, on getting on airplanes anymore, <laughs> not just because of COVID, but because I've, I've been there and done that so many mm-hmm. times. And I just, at this point in my life, uh, I was telling the Lord, uh, there's, there's a wonderful verse here that is in Jeremiah uh, 30, verse 21 which captures what I would like to do at this point in my life. And uh, there the Lord says, I will bring him near and he will come close to me. For who is he who will devote himself to be close to me? That's the, that's the sovereign God of the universe giving us the invitation to be close to him. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you and I want to take advantage of that? It's so so amazing to think that God would want that kind of closeness, intimacy, and I need to grow in that. I need to grow in that, and I want to be open to whatever he has for the future. And I found that he's brought me back to that original mission calling Mm -hmm. to bring the prayer movement and the mission movement more closely together like this. And we're doing it through the Go, what's called the Go Decade. For the next 10 years till 2030, uh, to focus on the unreached people of the world. And uh, about a year ago, I was just getting out of bed in the morning. This is what I what I say about it. God will speak to you at times you just don't expect. I'm mm-hmm. getting out of bed in the morning, and he arrests. I was headed for the coffee pot, but he just arrest, arrested me. And it was so clear. And he said, the book of Acts culture will lead to the book of Acts breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And I said, what, what do you mean by the book of Acts culture? 
Acts 1.14, they joined constantly together in prayer when they were waiting in Jerusalem. And then Pentecost came, the powerful uh, event of the Holy Spirit coming on them and giving them the courage, because we all need that boldness to be witnesses. And then breakthroughs and divine encounters, the Ethiopian eunuch, for example, Cornelius. I mean, these amazing supernatural, because mission and evangelism is supernatural. It's mm-hmm. meant to be done hand in hand with the Lord of the harvest. And prayer is absolutely crucial because it positions us to receive our instructions from him. So uh, this, is, this is what I would like to do for some time. And I'm in the process of handing over the, uh, the leadership of the International Prayer Council to my younger colleagues so that I don't have to bear that burden uh, of coordination and administration and all of that. So I'm, I'm just wanting to be ready at this stage of life for anything else he wants me to do. And maybe not, maybe I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just, uh, uh, read or write or, you know, stay put for a while. <laughs> just <laughs> we'll waiting what, on the Lord right now, right? Just waiting, waiting on, on the him. Lord. That's right. That's right. And we're open to going back to the mission field where we served. Uh, in Southeast Asia. So we'll see what happens. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, John D. Robb, the chairman of International Prayer Council. And right now we are discussing the importance of connecting Christians globally in united prayer for revival, social, socio-political transformation, and mission breakthroughs until Jesus comes. John, why is it so important for Christians to be united in prayer during these times and until Jesus comes? Well, um, you know, in John 17, Jesus in his last prayer for the disciples, he said, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one, so the world will know that you sent me. There's something about the oneness of believers in Christ standing together, praying together, and prayer prayer actually increases that oneness of heart i found because you can you can kind of think oh well that's uh yeah that i i know who he is yeah and i know who she is but you get in a little prayer group and then suddenly you say that's a brother that's a sister i'd be willing to lay my life down for them you know as you get to know them and love them you you'll sacrifice yourself for one another okay and so that's what true Christianity is. It's, it's that, that love relationship. And when we, um, when we, there are a couple of things that happen. That oneness is a witness to the world, which is so divided and sinful and broken. And even in our country right now, it's, you know, if Christians stand together in, and, uh, and uh, manifest that unity, it's a, it's a powerful witness across ethnic uh, divisions, across political divisions, they say, wow, they love each other. My goodness, they must have the truth. But the second thing is when we're, when we're one and we're in agreement in prayer, it's like a synergistic explosion happens. You can pray by yourself, but when you agree with one other person, one shall chase a thousand, two will put 10,000 to flight. It's the expression because you're standing together. And uh, my favorite uh, prayer passage is actually in Matthew 18 that, that illustrates this, uh, starting at verse 18. And I use this all the time. I tell you the truth. 
Jesus said. Verily, verily, I say unto you in the King James. So that means he means it. That means it's a, it's a principle that works in any situation. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And that you is plural in the original Greek. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And that word agreement is symphony. It's like symphony. You're playing together, you know, like Mm -hmm. the musicians do. It will be done for you by my Father in heaven, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So when we pray with one or two others, it's so powerful. It doesn't have to be a big group. It's actually harder to get a big group into that kind of agreement. I found some of the most powerful prayer is just with your own prayer partner. I've had the same prayer partner. We don't see each other as often because he's in Los Angeles. I'm in Albuquerque now. But for many years, we prayed together um, every week. We would get together, and we still pray occasionally over the telephone when we're on, on the phone. We saw so many breakthroughs just with the two of us coming into agreement. So uh, We could fill an encyclopedia. I said we could fill an encyclopedia of all the answers. And my wife is my strongest prayer partner. We pray every morning with a cup of coffee usually in our hands. And we just come into agreement and pray for the nation, for the world, for people we know. And it's, it's so special because the Lord says he's going to be right there with us. His very presence, he's going to be in the room with us. And wow, if you have what connections that you have when you connect with him. So, uh, you know, I think that this, this unity thing is very key. But it doesn't have to be a big group. When it is a big group, that's tremendous. If you got them, if you mobilize people to agree on the same thing, you know, through an email or through a, in a meeting, and so we'll often hold hands together and agree together for breakthrough. And I've seen it over and over again. God will move as His people come into this unity. So if you could have a prayer partner, you can have a small group, or you can have a large group. Yes. Right. What should Christians be praying about right now, John? Well, I think uh, Christians ought to be uh, holding the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. And um, I but had how do we a, do that when when sometimes some of us um, will listen to the news so much that it starts to discourage us. How do you yeah. keep the balance with that? Yes. And a lot of it's fake news too. So you got to be careful not to get your your eyes on the news and go up right. and down with you know, those kinds of feelings. Uh, I think we need to be uh, cognizant of what is happening. That's like being a watchman watchman on the wall. Isaiah chapter sixty two. You know, the Lord said, "I'm putting you on the wall to watch." so that Jerusalem will become a praise in the earth. That's transformation. Mm -hmm. So we need to watch over our own cities and nations, our own families too, and pray. And, um, you know, the, you know, just being, as I said, open, uh, both from the newspaper input and from the biblical promises we have in teaching, 
So both of those things are guiding our prayers. Uh, getting, doing some research on the internet about things. Um, you know, particularly the, the Great Commission and its fulfillment is really important. Some of us feel that Jesus could be coming even in 10 years, by 2030, because this is, it'll be exactly 2,000 years since, the, since his life, his death, and his resurrection and ascension. All scholars, biblical scholars say it happened in AD 30. So we're coming up to the 2,000th anniversary. Of course, God is aware of all the timing, and we never can say we know for sure. But there's so many mission initiatives aiming at f- fulfilling the Great Commission by 2030. The Koreans want to send out 100,000 missionaries, raise up 10 million intercessors towards that goal. We in the Go Decade have, again, a global effort to bring mission agencies and prayer movements together to flow towards 2030. Bible translation, they think it's going to be done pretty much by then, the major languages of the world. So things are pointing, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all the people groups, the ethne, the ethnic groups. We call them the unreached people groups. And then the end will come. And there are about 5,000 that are still with only um, less than one Christian per thousand people. And so they're the priority. And I was going to give this website out to your viewers if they're interested to maybe adopt one of these unreached people groups, which would be very strategic. We want to see a worldwide adopt a people movement to focus on these unreached people groups. And as Jesus said in Matthew 9, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up the workers to go and reach them, which he will do if we pray. Uh, and it's the particular website is called jo- joshuaproject.net. Can you repeat that one more time? Joshuaproject.net. Joshuaproject.net. And you can find all of these unreached people groups. You can find resources for prayer and how to adopt them. And this is, this is amazing. And I've seen churches adopt one. This was back when I was doing this more in the 80s and 90s. And they would adopt an unreached people, and they would, it was just like they just had to get involved. Mm-hmm. They would pray for them, and they fell in love with these people and concerned, and they start sending teams over there. They start networking with others who are missionaries over there, and all kinds of good stuff began to happen, and people coming to the Lord, and it was just fantastic. So this is, this is something I would like to see happen, and it's, it's a burden on my heart, along with my colleagues. Um, so the Great Commission, and then praying for your own uh, city and, and government leaders. As it says, as, the, as Timothy says, we need to pray for the political realm. Uh, to, sadly, so many Christians kind of put their head in the sand. They do not find out what's going on. And so, you know, they, they are not salt and light, as Jesus said we should be in the world. We're not supposed to separate away and say, oh, that's fil- politics is a filthy business. No, we should be shining our light there in the middle of it and praying with elected officials and rebuking some if we have to, saying that's not right what you're doing and saying. So anyway, um, so John, that, what would you say? What would you say to Christians 
when they say, when you hear them say, well, when I pray, God doesn't answer me? Well, I would say that they should, first of all, they should listen to him before they pray. Because it may be they're praying out of their own head, and maybe they're not, they're not praying what the Lord wants them to pray. You know, um, the Jesus taught in John 15, he said, abide in me and I in you. And right. he says, if you do, you're going to see a lot of fruit. Mm-hmm. So when I pray, I try to listen to what God is saying. Like he said to Jeremiah, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah felt inadequate. He felt like a child. Mm-hmm. And God said, no. And that's, you need to feel that way. You need to feel inadequate. You need to feel like I don't know how to pray as I ought. Even the apostle Paul said that in Romans chapter eight, we don't know how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit will show us how to pray. And a lot of, a lot of praying, unfortunately, is what we think God should do. <laughs> it's kind of silly, isn't it? You know, here we're just a little bitty, you know, human beings, and we've got a prescription for God. This is what I think you should do. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, Father, what do you want me to pray in this situation? I don't know how to pray. Would you guide me? And then you're going to see answers. Because um, if the Spirit is prompting you to pray, you know it's His will, and He's going he's gonna to answer. So that's what I would recommend. So the asking, the asking is really key and he will guide you. And waiting too and -hmm. listening and because just to have confidence that he knows the best. I mean, he is a loving father. He he cares, but he also knows the best way and the best time to answer us. And a lot of people will say later on, boy, I wish I hadn't prayed that. It was, I'm so glad God didn't give it to me because I was completely off base. You know, like people say, oh, you know, Lord, I, you know, I want to, I just, you know, I, I want you to get me out of this job. And then mm-hmm. they get a great promotion after, <laughs> and they say, oh, I'm so glad I didn't, God didn't, I didn't leave. You know, so that's more <laughs> the same so thing. Sorry. Like even my son is, is in Cambodia, a single guy, age 35. And he was said, he was thinking, eh, I probably should just come home and, you know, and, he seemed discouraged, and wouldn't you know that he's gotten engaged now to a beautiful, wonderful Cambodian missionary who's just wow. on fire. Oh, it's just God just did it for him. And if he had come home thinking that he, you know, he knew what he should do when he didn't, he would have missed out on all of that. So we have to let, we just have to surrender and just say, Lord, here I am. I don't know what to do. I'm like a little kid. I'm like a little toddler. Mm-hmm. You know, I fall down half the time on my face and you have to pick me up. Exactly. <laughs> just trust him. <laughs> trust him. So, so I'm pre- true. I'm preaching to myself too. So it's not just you. I, I, cause I, we're always having to learn. We're just like little kids with him. Right. Right. John, um, I read that your vision is working with others in the prayer movement to see America revived and restored to serve God's purpose for its people in our world. And you also said that it's also important for Christians to globally be united in prayer for revival, social, political transformation and mission breakthroughs until he until he comes, until Jesus comes. What is 
um, or what are the strategies that you are doing to do this? What strategies have has God placed in your heart to do this? Well, um, I, I, as I said, the networking of the body of Christ to connect people has been the story of my life. I have a passion for John 17 to see the prayer of the Lord fulfilled that we might be one. And so I'm always trying to connect brothers and sisters if I can. Uh, when I hear that they have a common interest or ministry, um, we've had gatherings of all kinds uh, all around the world, as I've said, partly so they can find each other and hopefully be catalyzed. That's another good word, connect and catalyze mm -hmm. to make an impact, With, whether it's in mission and evangelism or in prayer that brings transformation in a political, socio-political situation. But uh, because I trust the Holy Spirit's going to guide them. Once they're connected and they're praying and they're sharing, and I've seen this over and over again, they'll forget all about me, and that's fine. They just go off and they do something great for God. Mm. And, uh, so it's, it's just a matter of the relationships, building relationships. Um, we use technology a lot. Uh, we have an, uh, a newsletter that comes out, a prayer journal every month called IPC Connections for the International Prayer Council. You can get more information about the IPC at um, our website, which is ipcprayer.org, ipcprayer.org. And you'll, I mean, it's got resources on prayer, um, including children in prayer. There's a whole children in prayer movement. I'm very excited about that because they're the great men and women of God of the future. Right. Like Samuel was just a little, little boy. When God called him, and it's the same with these kids. I mean, they're just going for it. And we see just miracles happen when the little kids pray. So, mm -hmm. um, but the, all of those resources are there, uh, videos and all kinds of connections that people can make uh, for if they want to get involved in the prayer movement, mission movement more deeply. John, what message would you give to the body of Christ right now? You have... So many listeners listening right now, and I just, from your background, your experience, and your victories with all these prayer groups um, throughout your past, and still you're having to unite them still today, and still you have victory upon victory upon victory. What message would you give to the body of Christ right now? I think that, you know, life is very short for all of us. And that we should seek to do exploits for the Lord. Even in our, you know, wherever we are, that we, as Jesus said, have faith in God. You know, even a grain of mustard seed can move that mountain. And we need to grow in faith and we need to get hold of God and go for it. With the gifts he's given, every one of us has unique gifts. Unique gifts that he gave to nobody else. Unique personality. and. Too many of us kind of live in sort of a, um, what's the right, we're, we're below our potential a lot. We're just not rising in faith. And we, you know, we allow our emotions or depression or discouragement to kind of beat us down. When you think of the great Apostle Paul, what a model. I mean, here's a guy who just gave himself so completely 
even though he had been a terrific center, he'd been completely the opposite. Same with St. Francis of Assisi and other great men of God and women of God. Uh, I think of Mother Teresa. I had the great privilege of, of being with her in Calcutta, and she prayed over me and my ministry. And what a wonderful woman she was. I mean, just humble and godly and serving. We've got all these great examples. And the thing that distinguished them is they did exploits for God. They said, I'm going to make my life count. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to prove his promises are true. I'm going to believe him for breakthrough in my own family, in my own city, in my own nation, and then see where he takes me. Just think of me. I was just a shy kid coming from Albuquerque, New Mexico, very introspective. (laughs) And here I was never expecting that I would have such an encounter and that God would pour out his spirit upon me and that I would come out of myself and become more of an outgoing person and, you know, be doing what I'm doing. I mean, I'm the most unlikely person to ever have been chosen for this. And God has a special destiny for each of you, each of you who are, who are listening. He's got, he'll do far more abundantly than all you can ask or think. That's one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do far more abundantly, or another version says immeasurably more than all we can ask or think by his power that is at work within us. So his very power will fill us and give us the capacity to do what scares us to even think about doing (laughs) because we think, wow, I just don't have it, but he does. He Mm -hmm. and you, you know, apart from him, we could do nothing, but with him, we could do all things. Amen. Thank you so much, John, for being on faith city outreach, for sharing about the international prayer uh, council and for letting uh, Christians know that uh, it's so important today to unite in prayer until Jesus comes. Can you please end in a very short prayer? (laughs) Sure. Lord, we're so grateful for the fact that you indwell us by your spirit and give us the capacity to do these things that are so beyond ourselves. And we want to honor you. We want to glorify you because it all does come from you. And you give us the great privilege of serving with you, of being co-workers of yours, of doing exploits with and for you. So be honored and glorified in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Faith City Outreach can be heard daily, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Arizona time and 7 p.m. Eastern time. Faith City Outreach thanks Global Women Christian Chamber of Commerce Embassy and Four Winds Ministries for being supporters. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. The music used in this broadcast is used courtesy of Zapswat.com.